Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning, do you ever feel like sometimes God is silent in the Christian life? It feels sometimes like just a list of right and wrongs, do and don't do. You ever feel that way? Like God is over there. I'm not having my marching orders. I'm not having my, my direction. And it's just I've got to do this or not do this. And sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes it can feel monotonous. Um, and this morning, what I want to talk to you about is how do we receive direction from the Lord? Sounds similar to last week, but we were talking about how, how God addresses issues in our life. But this is more about how God speaks to us as we, as we desire to follow him. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will will he not give him a or excuse me. If he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people in the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and Father, I pray that as we dive in here, that you will speak to our hearts, that we'll understand what Jesus is saying, and we'll take it to, we'll take it to heart. And so, Father, we look to you to give us understanding, to illuminate us to your word, and encourage us to love good words. And thank you, Father, for these verses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, as we look at how we're going to receive direction from the Lord, we're going to cover essentially three areas. We're going to talk about engaging Him, we're going to talk about trusting Him, and we're going to talk about sharing Him. And so we begin with engaging Him. See, God wants us to engage Him. You know, as much as we want Him to talk to us, He wants us to talk to Him. Have you ever thought about it from that aspect? That aspect, we so often think about it from our own. Well, how come God doesn't talk to me? You know, we, we, if I were to ask you this question, do you want God, how many of you would want God to speak directly to you something? We would all, right? Our hands would be all up. Have you ever thought about the fact that God wants us to talk to him also? Has a desire for us to speak to him? Has a desire for us to carry things to Him in prayer, to just talk with Him as our Heavenly Father. We don't think about God's desires much. We think about our own desires, right? And so here, we're told to basically to engage Him. And think about this for just a second. Have you ever considered that it's pleasing to Him when we reach out to Him? That that's pleasing to Him? That He enjoys that? And so we're told to do three things. 
And I've heard a lot of sermons on just this one verse, ask, seek, knock, right? We've, we've, uh, we've covered the, we haven't covered them here before, but those have been covered before. But they're really very different. A lot of times it gets wrapped up into this idea of prayer, and it does come in prayer, but they're each different if you break them down and look at it. When he tells us to ask, he says, ask and it will be given unto you or given to you. You will receive. We're going to receive something. When we ask, we're looking to receive something. So when we ask for what we need to accomplish his will, he'll provide it. Because remember, don't take this out of context. So often this, these verses are like, they're pulled out of context. They're not read in context. The context is the Sermon on the Mount, where he's telling them how to die to themselves, how to find new life in Christ. He's prepping them for the things that they're going to face, uh, the resistance they're going to have. He tells them how to overcome that. He tells them that they're going to face people that have the same problems with them and that they have, and to go through the process of getting that right. And then the ne very next thing he tells them is asking not. And so he moves away because when you go through the process of addressing your own issues, you're seeking the Lord, you're, you're asking him. You're, and so he aligns that out that, that this is part of it because we're pursuing the will of God in our lives. And we were talking in our class this morning that God provides, can provide storms in our life. Instead of praying for deliverance, sometimes the storm is the deliverance. It's delivering something out of our life that's a hindrance to God's will. And so when we ask here for the things to accomplish his will, the provisions, he'll provide them. He'll, but we have to ask. You ever felt called by God to do something? And you say, and we all say, well, God will provide. Right? We would all say that. But do we ask for the provisions? We say, well, no, God will provide because he called. Yes, he will. But we still need to ask. We still need to ask. So we ask him for those things. Seek and you will find. What are you looking for? So we talk about this all in related to prayer. But what are you looking for? What are we really seeking in this world? Are we seeking for God to just kind of help us make it through the day? God to help our life be a better or easier, more relaxed life? We hear that all the time. That's what, I mean, I know I'm as guilty as anybody. We are, our prayer requests basically sometimes surround that idea, right? God, make my life easier. You know, take this from me. This is a burden to me. Now, we cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. There's nothing wrong with that. But what are we seeking? Are we seeking him and his will? You know, before we ask him, ask him before we ask him to take something out of our life, maybe we should ask him why it's there. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's ugly. Even it's like, why were they so mean to me? Anybody ever had somebody just say something totally just unbelievable to you? Just to your face. 
That ever happened to anybody but me? How many of you, now don't raise your hands. <laughs> How many of you went to the Lord, asked the Lord, said, Lord, is there something in there for me? You ever done that? You're like, God, get them! <laughs> it's kind of what we do, right? We don't go and, but here's the thing. You know, I, I think of David. Remember King David? David was David was kind of he, <laughs> he wasn't a perfect dude, was he? But one day, one day he's walking along with Joash, and they're just talking among themselves. And some radical guy runs up and he's cursing David. And they're walking along and he's cursing him. And uh, Joash, being a man of war, leans over and says to David, "Hey, David, do you want me to kill him?" And you know what David said to him? I mean, now they would say, you know, could we get some security? Security! <laughs> kill him! <laughs> Should we go kill those people that are protesting? But David leans back and he says, no, maybe God has been in the curse And so we have to decide what we're seeking. Are we seeking the will of God? And sometimes, listen... Raise your hand if you're perfect. <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> oh, my hand's up. <laughs> We're made perfect in Christ, right? Raise your hand if you don't make mistakes anymore. Okay. So, it may be that somebody has seen that and God is showing you that. How do we learn? How do we learn new things? When you learn new things, my teachers. How do we learn new things? We're exposed to them, right? Trials, but we're exposed to them for the first time. And the first time you hear something, I mean, how many? How, how many of you guys are skeptics? With the first time you hear something, anybody? Yeah, me too. I'm like, I, if it's the first time I've heard it, I'm always like, what? It doesn't matter if it's true, just it's the first time. And so we kind of go through this process of do we accept that or not? And so when we're seeking him and he's going to address something that he hasn't addressed yet, we could respond that way to him. But don't dismiss it because you're just now hearing it. We learn new stuff all the time, don't we? Anybody? Yeah, we learn new stuff all the time. That's part of the journey. Nobody here has perfect knowledge yet. But we have knowledge of the one who has perfect knowledge. And we'll share it as we need it. And so when we're seeking, we have to decide what we're seeking for. If we're going to pursue him and his will, we're going to find it. But if we're seeking after a life that's apart from him, he's going to frustrate that effort. And the reason is, it's not a part of what he wants for you. See, people always say, well, God would never resist me. God would never, God is for me. Who can be against me? He is for you. He's for you and the plans he's laid out for you. Even Paul writes how the Holy Spirit prevented them 
from going up into Spain in his missionary journeys. Well, why would God resist somebody who wanted to share the gospel from sharing the gospel? Because that was not his plan for Paul. That doesn't make sense. Anybody know that makes sense to you? Does God do everything right all the time? Yep. So maybe God had called me to go to Spain. That's not a proclamation. And if Paul went, then that takes away from what God had asked me to do. And don't think that God hadn't called somebody to go to Spain because we know the gospel got to Spain. And if we do our research, we can find out where it started. And so seek. What are we seeking? Ask. He'll provide. Seek. And knock. You know, when we think of knocking, we think of gaining access, right? Why do you knock? Because you're on the outside. And you want to go in. Because you don't have the right to go in on your own. So we don't even take this apart with the words that are used. So I'm not in there yet, but I want to go in there. And so we knock because we want entrance. We knock because we have something to present sometimes. We're going door to door. But what he tells us here about knocking is that when we do, that he gives us access. And so there's different kinds of knocks. There's a little polite knock. Y'all ever hear that? I've had people knock so quietly we didn't even hear. We're like, is there somebody at the door? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever heard that at your house? They come up and they're like, Someone at the door. We don't have ring, so. And then there's these, these pounding, beefy police knocks. Y'all have heard those? Somebody did that on our door at 1130 at night in the country. And I went to the, I, actually I went, I was armed. I went to the door. <laughs> and then uh, as I got close to the door, I heard Travis County, so I, de I disarmed. <laughs> <laughs> So they got stuck on my road. I had to pull them out. That's what was going on. So that's what happened. We didn't call the popo. So knock. Knock. God does not want to limit your access. He wants to give you access. But the idea that there's, there's um, a space that we could have access to if we would only knock tells us that God wants us engaging him. He wants us to engage him in all of our lives. And so the question is, are we engaging him? What have you asked for? What are you seeking in relation to him? What doors are you knocking on? Folks, we're to engage him. If we want to hear his voice, we have to engage him. Lay it all there before him. Lord, is this your plan? Is this your, what is your plan? Well, I don't like that plan. Can I have this plan? You just, if that's the way you feel, tell him. God, I'm mad at you today. This is, I don't feel like this is right. You ever pray that prayer? 
I have two, thank you. <laughs> How could you let this happen? Thank you, Lord, for protecting me from what I thought I wanted. I am so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> you ever prayed that one? How many of you should have prayed that one? <laughs> Thank you. Engage him. Engage him. But part of the engagement, here is the obstacle to that. He brings it in here. Is to trust him. And part of the reason we don't engage him is because we don't trust him. Well, so if I were to take a poll and say, how many of you trust God? We would all like this, right? I'm glad we all voted that way. So let's talk about this for just a moment. So there are several reasons that people don't trust God. These are just a few. We'll get into a few more later. Unanswered prayer. You ever had a prayer that went unanswered? It's a trick question. It's a trick question. You ever had a prayer that was unanswered? Answer that's no. Because the answer to your prayer was probably no. <laughs> that's an answer, not the answer you wanted. Unanswered, perceived unanswered prayers is what I should say. Difficult circumstances that God didn't stop. How come He didn't stop that? How come God let that happen? A faulty view of him. Sometimes we don't have a proper view of who God is and what his role is in our life and what his, our role is in his plans. Or we picture God as, as being very removed on his throne, high and lifted up with a big stick, waiting for Mark to get out of line so he can crack me on the, on the leg. Anybody here view God like that? It's not an accurate picture. Well, sometimes we think, well, God just started this whole thing and it's up to us to figure it out. That's also not accurate. Well, God is a God of wrath. We see in the Old Testament. I know he's grace, but he's wrath. Do you realize all of that wrath you see God appeased for himself to get you? A faulty view of God will, will cause us to keep God at arm's length. That'll keep us from trusting him. Well, why would I go to somebody who doesn't answer my prayer, who let these things happen? Who I don't like the way he does things. Anybody here like the way God does things all the time? <laughs> How many of us would do it different if we were God? <laughs> Well, I've got a plan. Where's the uh, These are my control freaks are like. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Ask the Lord, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> a faulty view. No fun. God is no fun. If I turn my life over to God, I'm going to have no fun. You ever talk to somebody like that? You ever think that that's the way? Oh, God, there's no fun in life if you serve God. 
And so we don't. We think God's not any fun. Where do you, who do you think made fun and joy and laughter and delight? Do you think we made that up? God made that. Another reason we don't trust him is the fear that he's going to take from us. That he's going to take something away. And so we don't trust him. We would all say, we started off saying we all trust him, and now do we all trust him? You know, this is really shocking when you go through it. You're like, wow, there might be areas that I don't trust God in my life. But when we look at verses 9 through 11, he compares his relationship to us with a father and a son. And he says, when the son asks for bread, does the father give a stone? Can you imagine that? I'm hungry. Okay, here, why don't you chew on this? Chew some rocks. The kids got like little pointed teeth because they're all broken off because that's all the father gave them. Fathers, they say, you want me to make you a sandwich? They'll take it the next step, right? Most of them. They're not going to give him that. They're not going to give him something that would hurt him. They're not going to give him something that would fake him out. They're not going to give him something when he was expressing a genuine need and not provide for. When the son asks for a fish, will the father give him a snake? They're harder to cook, not much meat. No, he won't do that because that'll hurt the son, it'll hurt the son. You know, what I know, you wanna know what I know? Watch this. What two items did Jesus use in his example here? Fish and bread. This is before the 5,000. Interesting. Interesting how he's teaching them and setting them up even now for something to come. See, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you can trust him. We go, why would he use a a bread and fish has rocks and snakes. And what's he talking about? He's setting them up. He's explaining them. He's preparing them for that moment later on. Sometimes the difficult things we go through in life are preparation for the miracle that's about to come. And you have to go through it or you won't have the equipping. You won't have it. Our Father in Heaven will give you the good you can trust Him. You can trust Him. But then He gives us this verse that goes with nothing else in here. It doesn't seem to go with anything. Verse 12. So we're reading about asking and prayer and all this. And then He says, In everything, treat people in the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law of the prophets. What? We were talking about prayer. We were talking about engaging him and trusting him. And then he wants to talk to us about people. 
It doesn't seem to fit, does it? Did anybody think that when we read it initially? Oh, you all got it. I thought that. I'm the one. But he wants us to share him. The text shifts from pursuing God, how we treat other people. And so what happens is the reason it shifts is because people are the object of why we're pursuing God. We pursue God for the relationship we have. But if we're pursuing for what he's up to on earth, it involves other people, doesn't it? He's showing us, and it's a beautiful relationship between us, us and him, but he's equipping us to be used in the lives of other people. It ties directly. See, I can't be used in somebody else's life if I'm not asking, seeking, knocking, and I don't trust him. How can he use me? If you want to hear the voice of God speaking to you, you've got to communicate with him. You've got to trust what he tells you. But it's almost always for somebody else, too. Because our fruit, remember, fruit is never consumed by the branch. It's never consumed by the branch that bore it. It's always somebody else that picks it and enjoys it. But the effort is put out by the branch abiding in the vine. The fruit is produced because of that effort of a body, not because the branch decides to produce fruit, but because it decides to abide. You all follow me? Say amen. And so we share him. He tells us, and we've heard this, that we've heard this, some of you all know this as the golden rule. He tells us to treat them in the same way we want them to treat us. Not just sowing and reaping here. There is a gift. There's a secret in this verse. And I want you to realize something. God is giving you a gift here. And it's wrapped. And we pass it by all the time. If I want somebody, if I'm going to treat people the way I want them to treat me, then I have to see them, don't I? I have to see what their needs are. I have to know what my needs are. I begin to focus on what they would want. I begin to focus. So my mind and my heart shift to their heart. Shift to what might impact them. To what might they need or what they're valuing. And I'm going to give them the best. And so we begin to learn how to see other people. How many of you have ever been given a gift and when you open it, you thought, does this person even know me? <laughs> you ever, has that ever happened to anybody? That's happened to me before. You're like, and then you check to see if it was your name on there. <laughs> Bath salts? No. <laughs> Now I'm going to get bath salts, so you know that's coming, right? So our journey, if we're to treat them the way we want to be treated, we're learning to know ourselves. We're also identifying heart to heart with other people. And so our journey with him, as he knocked, trusting him, 
Treat them the way you would want to be treated. And so we consider those things. We gain insight into others through ourselves. And so realize that that's the gift that's being given here. It's not just, well, just act right. That's how it's taught. Act right doesn't see the other person. Act right doesn't think about what may touch them. Act right does not care whether they get it or not. Jesus loves them just like he loves you. And he wants them to know that. And so that's part of why this is here, because we're to share. See, we have to identify with the people we're trying to reach. If we don't identify with them and communicate to them the gospel, then, then we're just, we're just a, uh, a speaker they can dismiss. This is the key to opening the heart, folks. So he, let's watch the equipping. This is, you guys should be excited. <laughs> We're engaging God himself, the one who said, let there be light, and it was. And he created the sun and the moon later. We're learning to depend and rely on him. His mission and purpose is people. And that's the equipping people you want to be used by God we all said we want to hear him we all would say we want to be used you can't be used by God and be obtuse toward people how many of you are open to rude people <laughs> oh you're so rude tell me more <laughs> doesn't work that way Empathy gives us the opportunity to be heard. <coughs> Empathy gives you the opportunity to be heard. Without it, we come across as just more church people telling them what they ought to do. He is equipping them. This is a beautiful moment in Scripture. And so he winds us up by saying, this is the law and the prophets. Well, well, this is what God was up to all along. But what were the law and the prophets? They were communicating with God to people. <laughs> Communication from God. And so when we do that, they'll hear what God has to say. That's how we're used, folks. So if we're going to receive direction from the Lord, we have to engage Him. That allows us to apply the lessons we have learned. We can't live the Christian life without Him. The only reason He withholds from us is because we are not interested in Him or His things. Because according to these, this passage, He withholds from us. Unless we're asking, seeking, or knocking, we don't have it, right? That's what it says. I didn't write it. So there's things that are withheld from us. Even though he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, to be used in ministry requires 
pursuit, seeking, communication, trusting. And so choose him for your life for the rest of your life. Choose him. Two, what is causing distance between you and God? Because whatever it is, well, let's look at it this way. If I'm in a friendship with somebody, or even a family relationship, family relationships can be strained, can't they? And everybody said, Amen. Yeah, louder than that. <laughs> but you're always still family, aren't you? And so, what things have caused strain? Maybe something we read in here we didn't like. Do y'all like everything you read in the Bible? <laughs> I don't. But the Bible's not wrong. Who's wrong? Me. You could say it. It's the truth. We see we're true. We're truth seekers here, right? Amen. Amen. We want the truth, regardless of where it falls. We either fall in line with it or we don't. And if Mark is out of line with the truth, Mark is wrong and God is right. And so, what is causing this? Something you read? How someone else described God? We sometimes accept that. What you believe is your own unworthiness? Well, God can't use me like that. He can't use me like so-and-so. I'm not old enough. I'm only blah blah. Or I'm too old. My time is up. If you are exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide, you are in the game, folks. You are in the game. You know when it's too late? When you've taken your last breath. Then you're done. Then you can go rest. But I got news for you. Ain't no sleeping in heaven. Ain't no night. It's like living in upper Alaska. I didn't know that was heaven until just now. The sun is never mind. But that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So listen. <laughs> what if God is totally different from what you believe? And you could have trusted him all along. What if he's kind and welcoming and gentle, desiring intimacy with you? See, that's truth, folks. That's what truth is. And so go find out for yourself. Go find out. Go find out. Don't believe me. It's okay. Go find, check it. Check it. Three. We have to realize that our experience with God is what we give away. And that's what's going on here. That's the whole picture of what's happening. What am I going to carry to other people? Ask, seek, knock. I'm trusting him, learning to trust him. The people that we think are powerful Christians that God's really using, aren't those things characteristic that we would describe of their life? He's giving that to you. Because someday, some other preacher is going to be standing here, is going to ask somebody, and somebody's going to think of your name. And say, yeah, that Bob was really, he changed my life because of how he walked with God. 
Somebody is going to think of your name. That's what God has given us in these verses. We have to engage him, become intimate with him, so we can lead others to do the same. You know, we so often try to serve him without him, and then want him to be pleased with that. You ever notice that? That's kind of what we're taught. You know, you gotta serve, you gotta try hard, you gotta serve hard. Rededicate your life. When we come and pray, we feel better. <sighs> oh, I'm right with God now. Because I prayed. I'm cleaning all that baggage, all you backsliders out there. The truth is, you're right with God right where you sit. But you don't know what I've done. What you've done after salvation doesn't make you unright with God. Well, then I can do whatever I want. Paul talked about that in Romans. Because if you're right with God, you don't want to do anything because you know what the cost was for Christ to give that to you. That's not an option for you. But here's a, a little story, an example. This was a, uh, this was actually an accident claim by a bricklayer. This is what happens when we do things on our own. It says, I'm writing in response to your request concerning Block 11 on the insurance form, which asks for the cause of injuries, wherein I put trying to do the job alone. You said you needed more information, so I trust the following will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the injuries, I was working alone, laying brick around the top of a four-story building when I realized I had about 500 pounds of bricks left. Rather than carry the bricks by hand, down by hand, I decided to put them in a barrel and lower them by a pulley, which I fastened to the top of the building. I loaded the bricks into the barrel and flung it over the side of the building with the bricks in it. I then went down and untied the rope, holding it securely to ensure the slow descent of the barrel. As you will note on block number six of the insurance form, I weigh 175. <laughs> Due to my shock at being jerked off the ground so swiftly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Between the second and third floors, I met the barrel coming down this accounts for the bruises and lacerations on my upper body. Regaining my presence of mind, again, I held tightly to the rope and proceeded rapidly up the side of the building, not stopping until my right hand was jammed into the pulley. This accounts for my broken thumb. Despite the pain, I regained my presence of mind and held tightly to the rope. At approximately the same time, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed about 50 pounds. I again refer you to block six in my weight of 175. As you would guess, I began a rapid descent in the vicinity of the second floor and at the barrel coming up. This explains the injuries to my legs and lower body. Slowed only slightly, I continued my descent, landing on the pile of bricks. Fortunately, my back was only sprained, but I had internal injuries. I am sorry to report, however, that at this point I lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. As you can imagine, the empty barrel crashed down on me. I promise I will never work alone again. 
And so, folks, here's the deal. That's what happens when we try to do it alone. When you do things without God, that's what it looks like. We do what makes sense to us, and it seems like everything that makes sense to us is a train wreck. But when we do what God wants, even if we don't agree with it, we know that He knows better, we can trust Him. And li listen, it is never meant to work like that. It's never meant to work like that. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know why? Because he does the work. That's why. Because God does the work. He carries it. He does. You know what a tight yoke is like? It's very burdensome to an animal. It binds them up. They feel restricted. They don't want to work because it hurts. He said, my yoke is easy. It slips on easy. The burden is the work given to that animal to do. He says, my burden, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not heavy and burdensome to us. And so if we follow after him, if we try to engage him and trust him and share him, we're going to hear from him what he's up to. That's how you get direction, folks. This is the way it works. That's what he's prepping these disciples to hear, to, to have happen in their life and us. And so if you're seeking that this morning, if you're seeking him, ask, seek not. What do you need? What are you seeking? What do you need access to? Do you trust Him? Whatever you, is in your way of trusting Him, get it out of the way. And share it. The world needs you. The world needs to hear the gospel through you. We are His hands and feet. I would ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.